Hey guys, it's Josiah and... And this is Micah. We're here inviting you to the first ever Young Adults Today conference. Micah, when is it? It is March 13th and 14th of 2020. And you're going to want to sign up before February 13th because the early bird price is only $99 per liter. This is for teams. This is for volunteers. This is for interns, pastors, and key leaders, whether you're starting something new or strengthening something existing. We pray and believe that you'll leave feeling inspired, equipped with relationships that last a lifetime, new ideas and resources. And this is going to be an incredible rallying point. Micah, what are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing the names and faces that we've seen come across by just listening to the podcast. But in addition, being in a room of shaking their hands and just hearing what God is doing in their life. So we look forward. Sign up today at youngadults.today slash conference. And we're excited for a great podcast episode today. Yes, so here we go. Josiah, would you be willing to introduce our wonderful guest for the show today? Of course. We're here right now recording season two, downtown Minneapolis, and loving every minute of Young Adults Today. We've heard such great feedback from season one. You guys are interacting on social media. You guys are interacting online and even sending that this is become a helpful resource in in part of your weekly routine. Some people are saying, hey, every Monday when it comes out on Spotify or iTunes, we're checking it out. So today we're joined by a great friend of ours and mentor of ours in our lives, Pastor Nate Roosh. Nate is the lead pastor at Emmanuel Christian Center, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church gathering at several locations every week. Nate, alongside his wife Jody, have been leading Emmanuel since the spring of 2013. And Nate has earned a doctoral degree from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. And previous to serving as the lead pastor of Emmanuel, he worked at North Central University for 10 years as a vice president. Prior to NCU, he served for 10 years as the youth pastor at Emmanuel. So he's back where he started. And the desire of Nate and Jody is what we love. It's to lead the church into reaching those away from God growing in faith and in lives of purpose. They love helping people step into God's possible, hello possible, for their lives of purpose. And they love helping people step uh, into God's possible for their lives. Nate and Jody have been married since 1994 and have four incredible sons, David, Jeff, Tim, and Josiah. And so you guys can see and hear why um, Pastor Nate is here, Dr. Nate is here, and our paths have crossed in the classroom Mm -hmm. at North Central University, and we've had a friendship and mentoring relationship ever since then. So welcome to the show today. Thanks for spending time with us. I'm so happy to be here. It's awesome just to come and and talk about some people that I care about and have cared about for a couple decades now. So good. That's so good. Well, we love that you're here. We know that you believe in us. We know that you believe in the church, this next generation, and just helping lead and pioneer multiple things. And so we're just going to kick off with the first question, Pastor Nate. And would you be willing to share your story of your faith journey, your life, and how you ended up responding to the calling of ministry? Sure. Um, Well, I'm a third-generation pastor but not the same way many people might think of it that way. My grandfather uh, pastored real small churches in Illinois and Iowa for his entire life. Mm -hmm. Then my dad grew up, he went off to Bible college, met my mom, and uh, they started pastoring. And then I was born, and my brother and sister were born, and then my dad stopped pastoring when I was six years old. 
And uh, but we were very involved in church the rest of my teenage years. And um, I graduated from high school. And one of the things that I said is, I never want to be a pastor. Ooh, there's that I word never. Told... Everybody was listening. Never say never. <laughs> and I told my dad, I never want to be a leader. How ironic is that, right? And uh, so I went into college, and I went into a community college where I went for two years and did mm. business. And during those two years, I served and volunteered as a youth leader at the church. And those two years, the youth pastor was a guy named Jeff Grinnell. He's been on and the podcast. There you go. <laughs> See? It's all connected. And uh, during those two years, I realized um, I, I needed to stop fighting the call of God mm. in my life. I felt this tug but I resisted it. And uh, so I made a deal with God. And my deal was, um, I'll go to Bible college um, and I'll be a business administrator at a church. They didn't want to be in front there of anybody. <laughs> and, uh, and so I moved to Minneapolis. And when I came to Minneapolis to North Central University, that's where I took that step towards the call. And, um, and then one thing led to another, of course, into the rest of my journey. It's such a powerful journey, and we resonate with that in our ministry setting right now is on campus at a community college. And I had two years of a community college, and I would guess that a lot of the listeners or a lot of the audience that they're reaching mm -hmm. is taking two years to just get general credits, discover God's call, and it can be such a great season for maybe it feels like the wilderness at, at the time, but it's it may feel like the desert, but it's it's where God can really get a hold of us. Totally agree with that. I think I think th that formation period really is what it is, and actually it's kind of it's broadened in the modern era where high school students are taking college classes and even on college campuses. So it's kind gone down to 16 years old up to 23 in that category just don't know what I want to be when I grow up still, and I don't want anybody to tell me what I want to be, and yet I don't feel good about myself, and I'm searching for opportunities, and as I explore opportunities, I discover who I am in that process, and that's what happened with me, and I see it happening all the time with people. So, Nate, what was your journey into youth ministry, college ministry, and now leading a church? What does that look like? So for me, uh, when I landed in, in Minneapolis, went to North Central, I went to my prof of the youth department that was a, overseeing the youth majors, and I just said, um, this guy named Jack Perrin, Dr. Jack Perrin, and he said, um, I said, where can I go and serve and I'm not the guy? I'm like, I'm not in charge, I just want to learn. And he sent me to Emmanuel. Wow. And so I went there from the very first week and never left. And so um, it was a person that knew me enough to answer my question and directed me to a right location. Then when I got to Emmanuel, they had a process for integrating volunteers, and I wanted to volunteer in the youth ministry in particular. So I just started attending church Sunday morning, Sunday or Wednesday night, and, uh, and then they had a process of, uh, of getting involved that I went in on, and then they gave me some assignments. And uh, I started off as nobody with no responsibilities. I was kind of like on probation or something like that <laughs> as a youth leader. And it was really important for me to be tested and learn and watch and observe without all of the responsibility of everything. And then one thing led to another. They asked me to do an internship that next summer in my first year in because I was a transfer student. 
And uh, I didn't even know what an internship was at that point. And, uh, but I said yes. And while I was uh, on that su- next summer, t- that would have been 1992, I volunteered and I got to oversee a whole bunch of things that I never would have otherwise, including leading a missions trip uh, to Detroit. And, uh, and I, took, <laughs> I took uh, uh, 10 kids and a female youth leader who now is my wife. Praise God. On that yes, trip. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I got the full package in that internship. <laughs> and so, so uh, and then one, you know, I, I continued to volunteer while I was finishing my degree. And then they asked me to come on staff as an assistant youth pastor. And we said yes one month after I got married. And uh, so that was in April of 1994. And then fast forward, I just I served as an assistant youth pastor for about uh, two years. And then my boss backslid and became a senior pastor. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, because now I am when I'm in a backslidden state right now. Uh, and they asked me to leave the youth ministry, and then I led it for the next eight years until I came to, to North Central to teach and then lead there at North Central. So it's just kind of been one thing after another. I've just always felt like I need to be faithful with what God t- says to do. Yeah. And I've had a lot of opportunities to do different things, so I didn't just walk through every open door. I really have learned to listen for the go or the green light. And if I don't get it, I don't do it. I just stay faithful where God has planted me until he moves me. I think that's that's an amazing illustration of you going to, even to your professor, to saying, hey, what do I do? How do I get involved? I'm a transfer student. Just recognizing those mm-hmm. things in the season that you're in mm-hmm. and for him to point you back to the church and you're still there to this day. Yeah. Just one conversation that led uh. you to you know, a radical act of obedience oh. with so many yeses yeah. in between, but yeah. to to be a part of an internship, to just see yeah. God grow and stretch yeah. you. And you said the word discover, like I think we're all on a journey of discovering mm-hmm. uh, where God wants us to go. How do we steward what we have right mm-hmm. now and not forget where we've come from in that process. Mm-hmm. And to remember, I always say this, but you're probably annoyed by it, but we're never going to arrive. Mm. I mean, we're always working um, for the heart of Christ, hopefully, and for his kingdom in that mm-hmm. process. And we know that you have um, a heart for mentoring, you have a heart for discipleship, mm-hmm. and you have a passion for something that you call inspire groups. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And those um, that involves mentoring and also having peer relationship with friends in ministry to become lifelong learners mm-hmm. as leaders. And if you're listening today, maybe this is a question you've been wrestling with or struggling right. with. Maybe you're female in ministry and you feel like there's not a lot of females to go to mm-hmm. that are leads or executive pastors or youth or young adult pastors. So we want to ask you this question, mm-hmm. Pastor Nate, and how could someone in young adult ministry um, start or start praying into finding mentors and friends that are also in ministry? Oh, it's a fabulous question. One of the, the the origin or the starting point for me with those groups is I had been doing one-on-ones with people wanted mentoring for a, a few years. I think I gained about 30 pounds from coffees and lunches and breakfasts and eating too much in one-on-ones. And I reached a point where I realized that maybe I was meeting with somebody once every few months and I'm like, is this really working? Right. You know, and, and is it really the best way to do it? And I, at the same time, I was going through my master's program. And I realized that um, there's other ways to do it. And in the business world, 
there's these collaborative groups that come together from, let's say you're in an industry of glass companies or something for cars, mm-hmm. and you're a business owner, small business owner, how do you grow once you're into that thing, that career, that discipline that you're in, same with ministry or any other area? And I watched and observed, I had a youth leader that was a glass company owner who uh, was was frustrated. He kept coming to me for mentoring, and I was like, read good to great, chapter four, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, everybody has the quick answer with a book. And he one day said to me, it's not working for me anymore, the book thing. And so he put uh, money down and joined a, a mentoring group, a peer mentoring group. Wow. That uh, with other business owners where they met once a month and they had to share um, their business story, their strengths and weaknesses and that with their peers. And it was intimidating because they had to share that with them. And then they shared ideas over the problems or the, the challenges and obstacles that they faced. So when I heard that, I went... Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Yo, Winner. I could do that yes. in, in pastoral ministry, right? So I start, I formed our first Inspire group, and it was basically youth pastors at that time that were all from similar-sized churches mm-hmm. and similar uh, length of ministry. Because one of the things I discovered is sometimes you got to have apples with apples in the room. It's not that you can't learn from each other, but I would have, if I had a... a, a pastor from a church of 2,000 in the room with a pastor from a church of 50, the one with 50 was like, I don't have anything. I don't have all your resources. I don't know if I can learn anything from you. And then the other guy was going, well, what am I going to learn from you? Your church is 50. And so what we did is we formed groups then from that point on a similar stage of development. Um, You could have somebody that was a little further ahead, but there was something special about being being able to be in a setting where you were just like everybody else, and you were more likely to drop your guard, right? Because we got all this pride in the way. So if you're in a situation right now, um, you know you could form your own group. You, I, I would just say in this day and age. there's so many models for how you can do a mentoring type of situation, but the real simple thing would be pick three or four or one or two people that are interested in the same thing you are. They're not in the same organization you're in, same church you're in or something that you could get together with and say, what if we did it for a year and we just met once a month or once every six weeks and uh, each time we would trade spots. One person would be in the spotlight and they would share their stuff, and then the next month another person would be. And just that alone is enough to provide a safe place to talk. One of the things I discovered, we started doing it for our Minnesota district youth pastors, Right. is in one year we had six different groups running. One was all female. That's amazing. And that all-female group was like huge deal because they had no other place where people understood them. They were always in a man's world. Right. They were always talking about it, and it's like, they just need to be able to drop their guard, and that was hugely empowering for each of the women. We had a, uh, a couple of our groups where there were some guys that were in early stages of <coughs> pornography, mm-hmm. and uh, they had no safe places in the rest of their life to talk through things, and they dropped their guard and said, hey, I'm dealing with this. What do I do? We got them help, and they're still in ministry today. Praise God. So I think we need those safe places, not just mm-hmm. to talk shop, but eventually, to sh- you know, share the things, the real life stuff that we're walking through, and now some of them are leading churches and other things that are out there. Those early groups, and they continue to move on. We have inspired groups that are going today. 
Yeah. I love the name itself, just inspire, because I think mm-hmm. if you're in a if you're in a frustrating spot or you're wrestling with ministry or maybe you're listening and you're thinking that you want to give up, like Pastor Nate said, I would encourage you, grab two, three, four, five people, yeah. grab around, like inspire mm-hmm. each other's hearts. I think it's easy for us to become bitter or angry or feel like we're falling short or fall mm-hmm. into the comparison or mm-hmm. complaining trap of ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, my ministry is this and yours is that, and I'm never going to get there. And it's like, okay, but what is God calling you to do? Mm-hmm. So if you can inspire the hearts of the people around you and encourage each other in the season that you're in, whether it's a women's group, men recognizing that they're wrestling with pornography or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever area of life, it's built an accountability system mm-hmm. in addition to encouraging and inspiring and hopefully pointing people to the heart of Christ and mm-hmm. doing that together because mm-hmm. we is greater than me. So mm-hmm. love that. A hundred percent. And I found such value in having two of my best friends <clears throat> also in ministry. And it's, it's just been a gift to have that group mm-hmm. text, mm-hmm. to have breakfast mm-hmm. or to get together and talk Mm-hmm. unfiltered, real, raw, mm-hmm. and as well to have on the flip side mentors mm-hmm. in my life. I found such value in that, mm-hmm. you guys. And Pastor Nate's been one of those trusted voices that I could ask questions and mm-hmm. could. And so I'm thankful for the overflow of that even into today's conversation. And Nate, will you give us an overview too from your doctoral mm-hmm. dissertation mm-hmm. on future ready pastors and healthy church transitions? Yeah. So you might have to keep me on track here because this could get, <laughs> we're talking about multiple years of study and all of those right. kind of things. Uh, in essence, my dissertation title was Preparing the Receiver of the Baton in the Succession Narrative. So I was looking at churches going through transition in the senior pastorate, and um, there's a handoff of a baton from one leader to another leader. That handoff actually happens in every area of an organization. Right. So it happens with youth pastors, it happens with lead ushers, it happens with the nursery. So, um, but what I was looking at is, uh, you know, there's a lot of research that's out there on um, how an existing leader can hand off an organization because they're trying to get people to let go and hand it off to the next generation. And then there's a lot of research that's out there and talk about the exchange zone where what do you do when you get in it? There's not a lot out there about that person that's going to receive the baton five or ten years before that point. What training, what growth, what development do they need to go through in order to succeed when they're running and lead the organization? In essence, I'm hearing you say, what can I do now Mm -hmm. that will help me five, ten, fifteen years down the road from now? That's correct. So there's a, a phrase I introduced in my dissertation that's actually become much more a part of my my life and it's called future ready and it refers primarily in the in the dissertation to a leader who may be in a in whatever role they are in in the current but they're get, getting ready for a job down the road a role down the road and so they're future ready so they're not uh, it's not just about what they're doing in the present tense it's also about what they're accumulating and their growth and their development and their skills so that they'll succeed in another role down the road and I looked at um, church staffs, for example. Um, our current church staffs, you could have whatever role. It could be a kids pastor, youth pastor, associate, groups, young adult, whatever role they're in. They're in that role. And oftentimes the relationship between their senior pastor and them are, it's just about the job they do in the present tense. Tell me what you're doing. How can we make you do better and all of that? But they're also, if we were to pull the veil back, 
they're Davids in the field that are going to be kings someday. Right. So how are we getting them ready to be a king? How are we preparing them while they serve in what they're doing? And I, my conviction is, is that we need to be 100% faithful to where God calls us, but we need to not limit our growth and development to the, the scope of the job we're in. We can grow ourselves while we're serving so we're ready for the next thing. Totally. Instead of waiting to be picked and then all of a sudden we'll become a better leader when we get a different title. Right. No, let's become those leaders now. And my, you know, when I look look at it, I look at leaders and in my role, currently I'm a senior pastor of a church, a lead pastor. I have a responsibility to my staff to provide spaces for them to grow while they're in it. I have future lead pastors on my team. I know I do. I've got future leaders that aren't going to do stuff that, that's different than what they're currently doing, and I want to help them get to that next level. And so I'm challenging lead pastors, dude, wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got Davids in the field underneath you. What can you do to be a Samuel to them, to believe in them, see the, and call out the anointing that's in them? Don't be easy on them. It's not like these leaders need, the younger leaders need an easy ride. That's not going to get them ready. They need to go through some battles and they need to fight some things and they need to go through rejection. They need to go through difficulty and discover how to overcome in the middle. Because the truth is, when you get in your dream, it's never easy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get in that thing that you're called to do, it's not a cakewalk. So I, I want to, I want to challenge my team. I don't want to make it easy on them, but I want to believe in them from far more than what they're doing in the present tense. So transition-wise, what I view as transition, transition is always happening. It's happening right now in your life. It's happening, and you don't even right. see it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what God's got for us around the corner. So we've always got to be transition ready or prepped, and so we're asking God to help us. We need to interpret the experiences and the relationships that we have, not as frustrations. It's not like the world is against you and everybody hates you. No, maybe it's a preparatory experience for what God wants to do in your story down the road. And uh, so from a transition standpoint, I see that happen, and it doesn't just happen at one point, it's happening all the time. So when you talk about high school students transitioning to college campuses exactly. or transitioning to career, that's happening there as well. And I, I think we could view that same paradigm as we look at the deve- development of the people that we're working with. If you're working with young adults and you're passionate about them, you only get them for a sliver of their life. And if we're, you know, being real, our goal isn't to make them think that we're the best thing in the world. Our goal is to help them make the transitions into their futures. And there's some huge uh, uh, danger zones. There's some landmines that that should be avoided. And and, uh, the world is out there calling out their name and they want fame and all those things. But we get them for a specific season of time. And it can make a difference for the rest of their life. So I, that's where I see the dots connect on the succession stories of the Bible. And I looked at in my dissertation things like, you know, Abraham to his son and then, you know, uh, Moses to Joshua. And I mean, there's so many great narratives in the scripture where you see the younger eventually taking the place of the older. And you can learn a lot from those things. And ultimately, Jesus did it and he he did something crazy he didn't do it with one he did it with a dozen and so he Mm -hmm. kind of flipped it on its head and multiplied that process and i think we can learn to multiply the process it's not just about the one person that we minister to but it may be about the 12 and then we train somebody else to also do that with others 
and we can help them transition others as well. Yeah, I think it's just a beautiful illustration of being future ready mm -hmm. and being transition ready because God is constantly moving the pieces behind the screen that we don't even know, we don't mm -hmm. even understand. I mean, he's doing a million things right now in every single one of our lives, um, but maybe we don't understand that or don't always see that. And I mm -hmm. think it's easy when, when you are not the lead pastor to, to say, well, if I were the lead pastor, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, instead of saying that or apply, saying what you would apply if you were lead, why don't you apply what you would do to your yeah. own ministry right now? Yeah. And maybe you're not even in a form of leadership right now within a church or you're not even getting paid. Yeah. Maybe you are a life group leader and you're right. listening. Yeah. I was told this by somebody that I really admire. She's a mentor in my life and her name is Karen. And Karen said, Micah, she goes, I know that you're not on staff with any church or with any ministry yet. She goes, but you have 30 young women coming to your house every yeah. Tuesday night. You act like that is your church and you steward what God is giving you that's and right. he will bless you. That's so right. don't overlook the 30. Right. I think that's just some great information that she like downloaded wisdom to me to call me out and call me up in that moment of yeah. don't be discouraged by small beginnings, yeah. but just be mindful that God is preparing you to become a better leader. That's and it. if he can trust us with the small things, that's he it. can trust us with the larger and the greater yeah. things. Yeah. So I just want to encourage if you're listening today, maybe your dream is to be a lead pastor, start evaluating your heart, your life, your yeah. mind, your soul right now, yeah. and start reaching out for those mentors. And yeah. we're never going to arrive or become, start becoming that person now. And I would say this even to anybody that I mentor who's a male or female who wants to get married someday, oh, when I'm a wife, then I'll be a good wife. When mm. I'm a husband, and then I'll be That's a good right. husband. No, develop the characteristics of yeah. grit right now That's and right. get in the trenches alongside your lead pastor or the pastors above you and just serve their vision because mm -hmm. God is seeing you, he knows you, and he mm -hmm. is definitely going to call you out and call you up when the time is coming or when the time is now. So Come just on, super sister. <laughs> I'm like, for real. That's like, yes. Yes and amen, right? Yeah. Well, Nate, we just love your heart, and we know that you are also a lead pastor, and you um, definitely believe in this next generation, but can you tell the audience why is it important that every lead pastor should definitely consider the investment of this next generation? Well, there's, um, as a lead pastor, th there are things that I've discovered that are weights and burdens that I didn't know about until I got into it, you know? Wow. Um, you're considered the chief financial officer, the chief um, public relations person, the chief discipler, the chief HR person. You're, you're responsible for a hundred million things, and I can understand being overwhelmed. Um, and uh, Sunday's always coming. You always got to have a better sermon. And everybody's listening to somebody else's podcast nowadays. Mm -hmm. They can watch Furtick mm -hmm. or anybody right. else. So you're never, never good enough. It's the impossible profession. Um, wow. you can, you're never going to be good enough. Um, but at the end of the day, you're only called to be an under shepherd under the good shepherd. That's good. And if you can find your peace and your strength in that, you don't have to do everything. You know, we're not wanting pastors to try to do everything, but we want people to care about what Jesus cares about. And when Jesus looks at a city, we see him in the scripture uh, weeping over Jerusalem because they were sheep without a shepherd. Right. And if you were to look at your community, you would see who are the where's the places where there's no shepherd. And uh, the next generation is that place. Um, and if you're going to be concerned about and care about the things that Jesus cares about, you've got to consider the next generation. 
And um, it's not just about the future. Um, it's also about the present tense. And all the stats will tell you that most people that are going to come to faith are going to do it when they're younger, period. Um, because other forces settle in, and it's much more difficult later on in life. So even from an evangelism perspective, it's just plain facts. Go after the next generation. And I think additionally, if you want to build your church, mm-hmm. you need to think in terms of young families who become uh, older and then they stay in the church. And so, like, I'm, I have a heavy focus on kids and youth ministry. And if we can get them when they're soft and the, the, the soft clay of their life is still there and they're moldable and shapeable, then I think we stand a chance of them staying in the faith in the long run. And when it comes to young adult ministry, this is a shepherding concern, not just an evangelism concern. Because we know that when uh, a child is young, mom and dad is right all the time, but then they move from uh, concrete thinking to abstract thinking as adolescent development occurs. And as they develop that, then they move to a phase where they want to own their own world, their own story, their own life. And right now, that group of people is getting fed a whole lot of lies. Yeah, and yeah. Honestly, about marriage, about life, what's important. Um, even you know, used to be everybody uh, thought of it as universal values are no longer universal, and so they're being lied to, and they need trustworthy, God-honoring, faithful. Uh, guidance during that season, but the way you do it isn't the same way you do it for kids and teenagers. You have to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I would just say for pastors and churches, um, we need to find ways to safeguard not only the kids that grow up in our churches, but every young adult in our communities that is in a vulnerable place. We're shepherds. Shepherds watch the sheep. You know, the, the song, uh, Leave the 99... For yeah. the one. Yeah. Well, I think shepherds need to think in terms of how do we protect and nurture the sheep so they make it to the next phase of their life, and how do we step into that space? And so for me, that's actually changed over time. I, I've had to adapt as the river bends, bend with the river. Culture changes, churches change, um, and you just have to adapt to it. But ultimately, your vision has to be locked in on being the shepherd as a church shepherding people so they can make it into the next phase of their life. You know, <clears throat> that hits with my heartbeat 100% because mm-hmm. I think it was 2012, God gave me this vision, this burden about young adults, mm-hmm. and it started in a personal way, family members, friends that I know, mm-hmm. and started seeing people walk away, but mm-hmm. at the same time started seeing young adults really discover who is Jesus. Mm-hmm during their college years. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of the center point of a lot of our conversations, Nate, over the years has been starting a young adult ministry, Mm -hmm. keeping my eyes on the sheep, becoming Mm -hmm. a shepherd, Mm -hmm. that if if God's given you a burden, Mm -hmm. whether you're a lead pastor, a volunteer, young adult Mm -hmm. ministry leader, praying into one of those, Mm -hmm. um, to keep your eyes on the sheep Mm -hmm. and to be a faithful shepherd, to steward faithfully, the group that God's placed in front of you and the relationships that God, God's placed in front of us mm-hmm. because it is so vital for every church to have landing places where young adults can belong. Yeah. For 18-year-olds uh, to, to 30-year-olds, 20-somethings to during their college years, yeah. 
maybe they're early in their career, young couples, but to have places where they can find people just like a mm -hmm. Inspire mentoring group mm -hmm. for their own life mm -hmm. and, and where they can ask questions, where they can talk about faith and how does... How do the ancient truths of life apply to the here and now? Yeah, yeah. And so we're really passionate about that. In fact, that's why this podcast exists. That's awesome. Because churches need um, resources for the next generation and specifically young adults. And so, Nate, to the lead pastor listening in who has a burden mm -hmm. for college students and 20-somethings that we just described, maybe their heart is racing now that mm -hmm. we're talking about this or... They, they feel like Jesus did mm -hmm. over the, the city of Jerusalem, the young mm -hmm. adults in their community, but their church doesn't have a young adult ministry established yet. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? Uh, well, I'm, first of all, I can start with you. If you really have a burden, um, it can just start with you saying, hey, I'm going to open up my home on a certain night and, um, and invite the one or two that you do know um, he starts. It doesn't have to be a big, massive ministry. It just starts with, you know, providing a safe place. It could be at the church. Could be whatever um, models of ministry you have. Like if you have life groups, a group right. model of some sort. You know, starting a group would be a big deal. Um, that's just for young adults, and you can have state. You, we do this all the time. You get young married groups. You get. Um, a specific focus about a Bible study group, but what about a young adult group? That's so good. Um, I think that is simple and easy to do and not expensive. Um, and I think it, I think a pastor can do those things, can facilitate those things. Um, and if you're overwhelmed and busy, uh, I get that. So you're like, well, I can't start a group. Then you pray about people in your church leadership team that would be good for that, that have a heart for young adults. Notice the, the, the even, you know, 40, 50, 60-year-olds that kind of bend towards young adults. You see them talking to them, and they have a heart for it. And they might be in a different ministry right now, and you might need to pull them away from the one they're in to the one you need. But notice the people God's already putting a burden on their heart and engage them and give them a space, give them permission and uh, if they're uncertain of how to do it, you might have to help them figure out how to, you know, facilitate something. But I think, I think, doing young adult ministry is just that simple. Um, and then I think, I think, uh, it, you preach about the things that you care about. So finding a w way for that to make its way into your messages when you're preaching, and uh, because then that uh, also takes what's inside of you and it puts it in the heart of the whole church. You know, my my desire is, you know, we talk about being. Um, every generation investing in the next generation at Emmanuel. And uh, I want every generation thinking about the next generation, not bothered by the gener next generation, not irritated by them because they're different, they wear different clothes, they have different values or whatever. So I want to I wanna preach it into my church so that when the opportunities come, I've got people that are, are under my vision doing young adult ministry. And um, and that's a you know it's evolved. I, we we've done a couple different models in the seven years that I've been at Emmanuel. Um, and when one is dead, the, if the horse is dead, dismount. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try to keep that's a good. dead thing going. That's good. Uh, then you know we we've adapted and, and mm -hmm. we said okay, how else can we do it? The other thing is if you see young adults, use them in ministry teams. 
ask yeah. them to get yeah. in now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, they aren't wanting to just attend to listen. They want to engage in whatever right. they're doing. And so if you can find places for them to volunteer and be a part of a ministry team, and um, and it can't all be just the nursery opportunities that every church has. It, I mean, get them involved in really important stuff and, and give them leadership positions as they earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you get the more, more that you give them visible roles, the more they'll attract young adults to your church. So, I mean, there's some, you know, specific things that you can do that will help unlock the door to that. Yeah. Pastor Nate, what we're seeing a lot of is young adults coming to us who are part of a church that actually do not have a young adult ministry. So God is even putting the dreams and visions in the 22-year-old that is attending a church saying, how do I start a young adult ministry in my church? And we point them, obviously, go talk to your lead pastor and see Mm. if that's part of the vision or see if that's a Mm. life group opportunity. Um, But what would you say to the young person or individual feeling called to serve the lead pastor's vision and has that burden and that Mm -hmm. dream to pioneer a new young adult ministry? Mm -hmm. Uh, What advice would you say to that young adult who has that passion but wants to honor the system in the process? Sure. Well, first of all, come to my church. <laughs> I'd love to have you we join our closer, team. We would go. Uh, we already talked so, about this. <laughs> uh, I w- I, there's a couple things, and, and there's practical stuff. Like um, if you got the idea that you want to do a young adult ministry, but you just started attending church three weeks ago, that affects how the pastor is going to hear you. Totally. Absolutely. So, I mean, you got to prove you're faithful, you're showing up, that you're in, and if he doesn't give, give you the answer you want right away, does that mean you're leaving the church and going to the next one? I mean, we're, as pastors, we're accustomed to people getting really big burdens and then blowing it out. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to hurt our people. Right. So you got to prove some faithfulness in here in this space. So, um, and, and I'm not saying it has to be for years, but, you know, show yourself faithful. Um, um, and when you're faithful in another person's ministry, God gives you your own. So you've got, you know, can you serve in something else in the church where you prove yourself a little bit and have a burden to start something? So be w- willing to let it be six months from now, not just in the immediate. And then um, I would say when you approach a pastor, um, you can say, Pastor, I've got this vision. I've been praying. I see the need. And talk about what you see. Um, and, uh, and I thank you for being, for caring about the things I care about. I want to help your vision advance Mm -hmm. and I want to do it specifically in the young adult area. And is there anybody that's already doing something in the church? Cause you might not know, right? There might be something going and can I help them? If they say, no, we don't have anything yet. You can say, well, can I, can I be a part and be smart? Know what's already going on in the church. If there's life groups. Know the life group model a little bit, because if you say, well, I could do a young adult life group, and the pastor says, well, how would you do it? you got to be ready for that answer. It's like Nehemiah. You know, when Nehemiah had a burden to rebuild the walls, um, he had to be ready with a plan. Once Artaxerxes says, what do you want to do? Well, you you got to do that thought process, and you might want to pick the brain of somebody else that's done it in another church or, um, you know, call up. Josiah and Micah and say, hey, I need some help. Uh, and they've got all kinds of time in the world, right? Um, but if, if, if I, you know, find some help along the way and, and then just submit and say, this is what I'd like to do. Can I get permission? If they say no, then uh, you can say, well, when, you know, 
if if they totally shut you down and they have no vision for it, that might not be the place for you to do it. Um, but don't do that. Don't shut it down too quick, you know, and um, don't be too insecure. If it's a God dream, let God put the dream together. And then in the meantime, you can start building relationships now. Yeah. So why not yeah. go out to lunch after church on Sundays? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why not pick times that you could just gather young adults together? So it's not like you have to wait on that. And um, and I think you can do that. So that would be my advice. That's good. That's literally how things unfolded when I was getting started in young adult ministry. I was actually first a youth student, then went to community college, became a youth leader. Mm-hmm. And in that process was interning two and a half years as a youth intern, Mm -hmm. serving faithfully, leading a a youth life group for high school students. And then all of a sudden, one afternoon, God dropped this burden Mm -hmm. that stopped me dead in my tracks. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like it meant, hey, stop serving in youth today. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, hey, clearly there's something going on here. And that's when we started talking. And Mm -hmm. I remember you, you brought up Nehemiah. And you also brought up the book Visioneering mm. by Andy Stanley. And you said, yeah. by the next time we meet, read the book Visioneering. And I would say that to the audience today of the book Visioneering. Yeah, it walks book. through the, the narrative of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm burdened. And he wept. Yeah. He tore his clothes. He yeah. prayed. Yeah. He fasted. And we can have that same approach to burden that yeah. Nehemiah did. I love that you said that. Mm-hmm. And then asking the pastor, hey, I'm available use me or God, will you use someone else as a great way to pray? And then just gathering young adults to go out to lunch, to start a prayer group, and then eventually to start a life group. Little did I know that that, I was writing my future job description. And for six years, then that's what God had for an assignment. And so I would just say, echo everything that Nate said and, and pray into it. Because if it's a God dream and it's a, mm-hmm. if it's a God burden, he didn't give that to tease you. Yeah. He gave you that dream so it can happen. And yeah. so, Nate, <clears throat> something that is important in, in life and in ministry especially is answering the question, who gets the glory? Mm-hmm. Who does the credit belong to? Mm-hmm. And... I guess this is out of my own life of realizing that, yes, things are for God's glory, but at times I've allowed it to be for God's glory and for my Mm. glory to build God's kingdom and to build an empire or or whatever Mm. that looks like. And so in the heart of a young leader desiring to become the best that they can be, but have it to be for the glory of God, will you talk about that for a second? Yeah, and we live in an Instagram era where uh, to be successful is to get a lot of likes, mm-hmm. right, um, or notoriety or attention. And it's a dangerous, dangerous world to live in because it's not, not sustainable. There's going to be a point where you disappoint somebody. There's going to be a point where you don't win. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a point where when that happens, it doesn't mean you are a failure. It doesn't mean that you've lost it. Um, and the other end of it, when you do succeed and people notice it doesn't mean you're a better person than you were right. before that because God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward. And um, I think when it comes to how we live our, our journey, we want to learn to live to the glory of God, to deflect praise to God. But it's okay to feel good about what you do. So I don't. I think there's a, a bit of a, uh, a balancing act when it comes to learning how to handle um, success and failure. And 
the, the th- one of the things that I believe in that helps me avoid um, it being all about me is staying under authority. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're under authority, there's a great protection that comes from that. So like even when, when I'm submitted to another leader, and nowadays I choose to do this. I'm the lead pastor of a church right. where technically everybody reports to me. And even my board would be like, hey, what do you want to do, Pastor Nate? But I choose to be under authority. We went through a bylaw change just to institute advisory elders from outside our church that I choose to submit to. Mm-hmm. I bounce things off of them. They have the right to disagree with me, and I'll stop doing something. And even in mutual submission in a marriage, um, Jody and I are mutually submitted to one another, and there are things I want to do she doesn't want me to do, <laughs> and <laughs> vice versa. And so um, even in the process, if I keep my heart in a submitted state, wow. I'm less likely to take the glory to myself. Mm. But when it's all about me and I'm not submitted, it can get out of control. And then, by the way, it's not just about out of control the pride. It's also really self-inflicted pain at times because when things fail and it's all about me, then I'm a loser. I failed. I put it all on me. And that's just opposite of the kingdom of God. Jesus showed us how to be a leader by getting down and washing somebody's feet. That's... That's what you do when you're a leader. You get down and you serve. And you can, you know, when people want to, uh, the higher profile leader you are, people want to pat you on the back. And you need to let them thank you. You need to let mm-hmm. them appreciate the ministry or whatever around you. But you don't take it to yourself. You're grateful to be underneath a good shepherd that's allowed you to be in that role. Yeah. And as long as you're underneath, and I use a, the image of a, a metaphor of a, an umbrella, if I'm under the umbrella, I'm protected from all the crap that comes mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. But if I step out from the umbrella, that's when I'm vulnerable to stuff that I really shouldn't get into. And that's what I would say regarding you know credit, glory. Just be under authority. And as long as you always, no matter what role you're in, you stay submitted to other leaders, then you don't, I don't think you have to worry about that issue. I think it's a great illustration of recognizing, are you under the umbrella? If you're not under the umbrella, even as a volunteer, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. And if mm-hmm. you're demanding a spotlight or a mantle, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a tension that every leader has to manage. Mm-hmm. And they have to have those accountability partners, those board members, those mm-hmm. friends, whomever is going to speak mm-hmm. into their life that needs to be in place mm-hmm. before you even get the position or the role which you mm-hmm. are you know, hoping or praying into or desiring or yeah. maybe something that God has placed on your heart. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's inevitable is transition. Mm-hmm. We know that there is always transition, and you alluded to this a little earlier, but transition is obviously inevitable in ministry, mm-hmm. and you've been a trusted voice in Josiah's life. Um, mm-hmm. I've known you for a couple of years just mm-hmm. by visiting North Central, mm-hmm. and it's just been a joy to kind of get to see you mm-hmm. grow and flourish and just see what God's doing in your ministry and just hear such amazing things. And we're just curious about the insight that you have. Um, what insight can you give us when somebody is entering transition? Maybe mm-hmm. somebody listening is coming out of transition mm-hmm. right now, and they're experiencing this change of season in their life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're feeling a stirring for future change, Mm-hmm. What would you say to those individuals that they know transition is coming, or maybe they're in the thick of it right now, and they're just like, this is a horrible season. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those people? Sure. Well, I'll just piggyback off of that last 
thing we talked about staying under authority. Um, you start with your servant of the Lord, and he is leading you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to understand or interpret sometimes when you're in pain. Sometimes it's a bad leader over you mm-hmm. that is like King Saul throwing spears at David. Um, sometimes uh, it, the the creek dries up and uh, it seems like things aren't working anymore and you're like, what's going on? I mean, so there's so many different circumstances, but if you're under authority, the same voice that called you in the beginning, you're looking to listen to in the next step. That's good. So it's not opportunity. It's not um, a better environment and by the way you can climb one ladder get to a certain rung look and see another ladder and go oh i'd be so much better over there but you got to climb down and you start at the bottom again yep Yep. and you get back up and you face the same issues on the Mm -hmm. other ladder so it's i i don't think you look at the situation that you're in the the place that you're working or ministering in um through the lens the world looks at those things i think you have to look for the vo- and li- listen for the voice. When the when the whisper, I, I talk about um, the call of God is a call to his voice, not to a job or a uniform. Um, it's not about the title or the role or even the location geographically. It's really about the whisper. And you are called to his voice. And so wherever he leads you, for the rest of your life, you want to keep hearing that whisper. Yeah. And if... If you're, you, we can lose our hearing of it when we get caught up in the role. And we think p- people are saluting us. now. they're not saluting us. They're saluting the uniform we wear. And when the uniform gets hung up, you find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But your joy is in serving the Lord and following his voice. So if you're in a place where you're in transition, you're entering it, or you just got into it, remind yourself to get back down on your knees again and go, Lord, I'm still your servant. And I'll do whatever you want me to do and go wherever you want me to go. It was John the Baptist that was raised up to uh, prepare the way for Jesus. And he had crowds following him. It was like the height (laughs) of social media success, right? And then he gets hauled off to jail. He's waiting to get his head cut off. Wow. And he sends word to Jesus. Are you really the Messiah? You know what he was really doing? He was doing what we all do as leaders. He's going, was it a waste? Right, mm. right. Did I blow it? Should I have just done something else? This is the guy that, you know, was baptizing thousands of, baptized Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in your brain. And he still had that humanness that just said, is it a waste? So we've got to acknowledge we've got our human, our emotions. Those are emotional things. And Jesus' response to him was, you just tell him, the deaf here. The lame walk, you know, and he, and he says, and blessed is he who does not fall away because of this, because of me. In other words, don't lose it at the end here, John. Mm-hmm. Don't lose it. Even though you're in a different space and it's disappointing, don't lose what you started the journey off with. And I've been around long enough to watch decades of Christian leaders, missionaries and pastors and leaders and sometimes just great churchgoers that are prayer warriors and disciplers who have found a way to navigate the different stages and phases of life. It's a lie that we're going to be at the top all of our life. It's just a lie. Right. We, and we're like, when I get to that point, I'm going to be somebody. 
No, you are somebody when you listen to the voice of God right now. And so wherever you are, if you listen to the voice, he'll lead you to the next step. So when you're interpreting job offers, next stage stuff, how do you interpret it? Well, you're really looking for the voice in it. And it's hard to know, like, right? So you've got your columns of pros and cons. If I take this job, if I go to this city, if I leave this church or whatever it is, and you can have all the logical things down there. And you should spy the land out. You should look into the options. But at the end of the day, are you hearing the whisper? Mm-hmm. Are you sensing a green light, a burden from God to mm-hmm. take that next step? And if you don't, you stay where you are. You stay with the whisper. And even if your best friend says, you'd be stupid not to do this, um, you'd be stupid to leave the voice. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just say, stay true to that. And, you know, I've always said, I'm going to be wherever God has called me to be for life until he moves me. That's how I live. And my identity can't be in what I do. My identity is found solely in the one I serve. Mm-hmm. And he may choose for me to be in a hidden place at different parts of my story. That's okay. Mm-hmm. He may choose me to be in a place where it's there's a lot more um, expo- exposure and people know where I am and see where I am. But even that, it can be. It can, I can get uh, confused. I can confuse the voice with the applause of people too. And so I can't find my joy in the applause. I got to find my joy in the praise of my Father. It's so good. It's amazing. And Nate, <clears throat> leaning in for one more second on that, there was transition that you helped us as a family walk through. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a, a poem you quoted, and it had to, I, I won't give it away, but mm-hmm. it had to do with a ship, mm-hmm. and it had to do with the captain, and there's mm-hmm. a little story. Will you share it? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got two of them. So I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about the ship, the storm, in the middle of the storm, so they're crossing the Atlantic Ocean. This would be you could picture the 1800s or something, or even the Mayflower coming across or something. Right. And they're they're tossing and turning the entire. Everybody's in the bottom of the boat. Water is coming in, and people are af- afraid. Are we going to sink? What's going to happen? And uh, and so they send this teenage boy to go up and find out from the captain who's up top with the steering the ship and. So he gets up on the top of the deck and he's crawling along and holding onto the rope as the winds come in and the ship is turning and he gets to the, opens the door. The captain turns around and he looks at the captain and he t- shuts the door and goes back down. Didn't hear anything and uh, gets down and all the people gather around him. Are we going to sink? What did the captain say? What did the captain say? He said, it's all right. We're going to be okay. I've seen the face of the captain. Wow. In other words, <laughs> their trust, their courage was based on the leader's confidence in the middle of a storm. Right. And when you can remain confident in the middle of a storm, everyone else is okay. Right. I, I love that. And that just like soothes my soul. And I hope that for leaders who are walking through, maybe it's painful transition. Maybe it's just um, uncertainty mm-hmm. that, can, that can bring chaos or confusion. 
to realize that in that story, what I just picture is we've heard the whisper of God. Yeah. He's the one who's called us to ministry, yeah. and it's a joy to serve Him. And then to look at what an opportunity to to get to see God's face or to mm-hmm. see the captain's face, that if, if Jesus isn't overwhelmed by this, mm-hmm. then I don't need to be, yeah. and I can rest in that. And we get to be that teenage boy yeah. or teenage girl checking out, scoping out the land, seeing what the storm is. It looks crazy, but we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, yeah. on the captain. It's going to be okay even in the midst of the storm. Yeah. So, I love that. So even as you're in transition and just wondering what God has for you, or maybe you're not in transition, there's one quote that I've heard, and it was, we are all interim pastors. Mm-hmm. No matter where you're at, no matter mm-hmm. what you're doing, we're all... I don't want to say placeholders, but we're all interim pastors and we're preparing the way for the people coming behind us. And somebody has prepared the way before us. And maybe you're a pioneer listening. You're like, nobody's prepared the way for me. (laughs) Well, then that means that you really get to team up with God and you really get to start Mm -hmm. tilling that soil and just trust that he is going to Mm -hmm. weed up and he's going to just prepare a way for you. So as we transition even into the last five minutes of our uh, session here with Pastor Nate this morning. We've reached the point where we have five in five. So, Pastor Nate, we have five final thoughts that we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. These are just fun, rapid fire questions that you get to answer. Yep. We won't interrupt you, so we're just going to read them and you can answer them however you want. So, question one is What has surprised you about young adult ministry and college students? What has surprised me? What surprised me is how amazing leaders are at 18 years old. They could do way more than many people think they can. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, and I believe it's true. How about this? What's your favorite event that you've ever done in ministry? My favorite event I've ever done in ministry. That's a tough one. (laughs) That is beyond tough. I would say when I was a youth pastor, I led a missions trip to Chile with my grandpa. Ooh, fun. And uh, there's some life-changing mm. moments with my grandpa, and that was just, that was the best. All right, question three is, would you be willing to share one of your favorite stories of life change? My favorite stories of life change, um, in, like in my own personal life or what I've life, seen and student, observed? Your family, can be anybody you know. Sure. Um, well, I, I'll just talk about my life with my, my marriage uh, Jody and I, um, very strong-willed people, both of us, and uh, we were married 25 years this year, wow. and uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, and she used to say, you know, the first few years were pretty rough. She says, uh, you know, the, we've been married 25 years, um, but she'll say it's been the best 20 years of my life, kind of thing. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> but life change wise, um, Jody Jody went through a difficult thing at work, and uh, it evoked a response emotionally, internally that she didn't anticipate. And so um, she sought help, went through counseling, and some of her frustration involved me. And um, when you get in a, a verbal conversation sometimes you don't know how to respond when the other is mad at you or trying to work through their stuff and she wrote me a letter and her letter was really difficult for me to read it was painful because it you know I mean, she was right on on most of it and I was like uh, this hurts and I I told her I've read it and I'm going to, 
I'm going to respond. Give me some time. And so I prayed about it. And, um, and I said, now, Jody, this took me 40 plus years to get this way. So it's going to take me a little bit of time to get out of it and develop new patterns. But I'm willing to go that route with you. And in my own life, um, as a lead pastor, I'm going through change. This was just a couple years ago. But I, I, I believe it's possible to change. And uh, Dr. Anderson, the former president of North Central, used to say, it is impossible for somebody over the age of 30 to change without the altar. Because mm. things wow. get settled in, and uh, I still have to go to the altar. So that would be my life change story. That's fun. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's amazing that you're willing to just transparently share. And would you also be willing to tell us an epic failure that you've experienced at any point in ministry? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of those. Uh, I, there was a point where I had a an intern, and I love to empower my interns, and I want them to grow. And this intern was ambitious and wanted to unfold a brand new line where our youth group was called JC's Place. And they wanted to have a new line of clothing and bling and merchandise, merch stuff. So they Swag. came up with, yeah. So they <laughs> came up so they came up with all this plan and it got approved. I didn't see it because I'm not I'm not gonna dictate every style issue thing. So they got it and they put it together and uh, sold it. Uh, $5,000 worth of m- buying stuff on the first Wednesday night. They s- presented it. I don't know how much we sold of it that night. But then the next day, I had one of our staff come in and throw this T-shirt on my desk. And go, Look at this. And I'm like, yeah, it's a T-shirt. Look at this. Do you know what that is? Well, the whole line of clothing was called Lifestyle. And it was JC's Place Lifestyle. But what I didn't know is they did it in the exact same font as the condom lifestyles. Oh, no. And we were going to be sending <laughs> all of our students into the schools. Oh, no. Oh, no. We had to withdraw the entire inventory after that day oh. because it was an epic failure. <laughs> oh, gosh. We love asking that question because whether you're a volunteer, a lead <clears throat> pastor, a young adult ministry leader, you are going to have epic failures. We are all going it's inevitable. to have failures or very teachable moments. And I think that was a teachable <laughs> moment to walk through the process of evaluating fonts even. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor Nate, we have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. And if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? You're not alone. Uh, you may feel like you're alone. You may feel like Elijah after Mount Carmel sometimes. Um, but you're not alone. There are others that have a burden that God is calling to reach the very things that you want to reach. You're not alone in the church. It's Jesus' church. He cares about the church, not just the people that are running it and leading it. Um, you're not alone when it comes to your daily thoughts, emotions, and battles. The Holy Spirit wants to walk with you and I mean that. He wants to walk with you. He doesn't want just to anoint you for the public access service. He wants to walk with you and whisper in your ear. And if I could encourage you with anything, just to remember, get back to that whisper and listen. Lean in. Allow the Spirit to strengthen you and remind you who you really are. 
to, to reignite the, the passion for ministry in your spirit, to give you creative ideas, things to do, to get back up again when you've been knocked down. Um, and you're not alone. And I would say um, when heaven is watching us um, and is near and the spirit is watching us, you're never truly alone. Um, you know, if you were to open your eyes, it's just like the Old Testament. Um, you open your eyes, there are, the armies of heaven are all around you. And uh, you're not alone. You can do this. And not only can you do this, you must do this. This task, this burden that God has put on your heart isn't about you. It's about sheep without a shepherd. And God wants you to stay in the journey because it matters to them. And God is watching you and you're not alone. Yes, so grateful. And Pastor Nate, thank you for a great conversation today and the reminder that we're not alone. The reminder that there's another in the fire, that it may look like we're surrounded, but there's one surrounding us. And thanks so much for your investment in this community of young adult pastors. You can find out more online about Pastor Nate Roosh and Emmanuel Christian Center when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, as well as social media across all platforms is at youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah with Pastor Nate Roosh saying goodbye. Remember, you're not alone. Judge up right now, yeah.